The world is old and the powers are weary. The god at the door of night has fallen and the great enemy of the world has come back from the timeless void. The shadow has awakened the great evils to regain dominion over Ardar. Darkness shall cover the land if not for the deeds of a small fellowship of elf friends. Join the players of this Dungeons and Dragons campaign as they fulfill the events of the Dagor Daggeron prophecy and strive with Morgoth on the plains of Valinor. Welcome to the Undying Lands in Part 3 of the Inglorian Bastards Trilogy, Trials of the Valor. Alright, welcome everybody to episode 122 of the Inglorian Bastards campaign. Um, and, I, you know, I, it's not really just a campaign anymore, it's a podcast. So, um, uh, in fact, there's been 121 episodes before this one. So, um, I should introduce it such. Um, but with me tonight, I, I'm, I'm very honored to have Dr. Vicki Ron with, with me. Um, she is the uh, professor of English at Friends University, uh, all the way over in Kansas. Um, and I asked her to come tonight because one of the things that she does um, is she's the awards administrator for the Mythopaic Society. And um, over the course of the last two years, um, while interviewing people like Verlin Flieger and Michael Trout and Demetra Femi, we've mentioned the Mythopaic Society and the awards given from that society many times. Um, and I wanted, I wanted Dr. Ron to come uh, talk to us tonight about the society and about the awards that are given out so it could, it could give us some context. So welcome to the podcast, Dr. Ron. Well, thank you. I appreciate you having me. Well, let's let, let's get to know you a little bit. Um, could you could you just uh, anything that I missed, which I'm sure you know it was like a, a, a two line description. Okay. I missed a lot. Um, could could you just tell us a little bit about yourself and and um, sort of how you came about, um, you know, on your path to the fantastic? Um, well, when I was a teach and I was a high school English teacher for 14 years before I went back to get my doctorate. And one year we were creating a class um, called Women with a Pen, which was uh, supposed to be all women writers, all women um, main characters in the short stories that we were going to teach. And we, a colleague and I looked through it and we thought, oh, here's some great role models for young women. And here's a great, here's some great uh, characters that are middle-aged women. But when it came to old women, wow, were they not very positive? <laughs> and yeah. um, so we started thinking about what, how are old women portrayed? And mostly they're portrayed as witches or nags or fools. And so we got a, an email, which never happens at high school, by the way. You never get like a call for papers for a conference on, in, in, in high school. But we got one. Mm -hmm. We sent one in was accepted and we were going to Cambridge, England the next year. So we had to write the paper. And when we did that, we wrote a paper about it. We went to Cambridge, we presented it. And I decided I wanted to go back to um, get my doctorate. I thought, I, I really want to do this. I want to research more. So when I went to Texas Tech University to get my doctorate, I knew the moment I walked in the door that I was going to write about old women and I was going to write about fantasy because I've always loved fantasy. Tolkien, especially, I think I wrote, read Tolkien. Um, the same year the Silmarillion came out. Had, oh, yeah. I remember asking for, for it for my birthday. 
and, and I have a, I still have that copy. So, yeah. Um, and then, then um, when you become a professor, then you get to go to conferences. And the conference I wanted to go to was MythCon, which is uh, sponsored by the Mythopedic Society every year. And yeah. so I went to the my first one, um, the 44th one, um, and did something about um, witches in the wild. So um, that's how I got into the Mythopedic Society. And then um, I just fell down a rabbit hole and just kept going. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and, and now you are their uh, awards administrator. How long have you been doing that? Yes, actually, we call it a steward. I'm a steward. steward. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All of the, we don't have like vice president stewards or a steward in charge of something, which I think is a really, uh, uh, teaching at a Quaker college now, it's really a nice thing to think of yourself as a steward of something. You're not sure. an officer. You're just kind of making sure everything goes okay. But it, it's been really exciting. I love doing it because I get to see all the nominations ahead of time. So that's really oh, fun yeah. to see all those, that list of books that I can just automatically, you know, put in my wish list or more likely just buy on my Kindle and spend a ridiculous amount of money. So I've told my son that when I pass away, that's going to be his inheritance. I'm just going to hand him my Kindle because that's oh, where all man. my money is anyway. Yeah, my you and my wife. My wife does the same thing. <laughs> um, well, that's that's awesome. That sounds really exciting. Um, just in, in just doing this podcast over the last two years, the same thing has happened to me. But I'm a I'm a physical book lover. You know, I mm-hmm. I have a, have a quite the li- extensive library at this point, <laughs> just from the podcast. So, so tell me a little bit more about the society um, itself. So the Mythopaic Society now. When I'm noticing that the first award was given out in 1971, is that around the time that it got started? It started as this like, um, and I wasn't around, but it was, I mean, I was alive, but I wasn't there. Um, <laughs> it started around, that kind of gives you a hint about how old I am. Um, it started in 1969 with um, Glenn Goodnight had this idea of having like a Narnia one day conference. And then the MythCon conference was actually held in Los Angeles the next year in 1970. Uh, it's called the Mythopoeic Conference, and it's MythCon for short. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it um, continued in Los Angeles, California area for the next few years, and then it started branching out. And so we've had it in many different places. We've had it in um, near Boston. We've had it in Illinois. We've had it in Canada. We've had it in Hawaii a couple of years for, um, for they've combined with Tolkien conferences in Oxford. Um, yep, sure. Had it, I would hope, in England. So, yep. um, and there's usually a um, guest of honor and oh, and a, a writer of honor. So a scholar guest of honor and an author or artist guest of honor. And we have, um, they've always decided, even from the very beginning, um, they wanted to to honor the Inklings, of course, Williams and Lewis and Tolkien. But also, mm-hmm. they really wanted to talk about um, myth-making, you know, the, the books, the scholarship about myth-making, also fantasy works that were mainly interested in the idea of myth and 
this kind of and I um, mythic essence, I guess you would say, because some books kind of mention myth or they have myth kind of you know, let's talk about Artemis or something like that, or let's call people Artemis or, you know, we'll use Greek names or Roman names or Norse names, but they're really not mythic in the idea of, say, like Joseph Campbell would say myth is, mm -hmm. you know, something that's really deeply ingrained in the human psyche. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. Okay. So, um, and so they've always done that, even though, uh, the Inklings were all Christians. Um, myth, the Myth Peak Society is not trying to push any religion or any anything like that. They really want um, just to kind of explore the ideas of myth and how that works and what it does. So um, I think that's what has made us grow so much because we're not limiting ourselves to just a few men, but we're opening it up to all different kinds of um, mythic literature and mythic scholarship. Sure. Well, I, one thing I've noticed it's 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 actually um, kind of it was not not shocking, but but uh, pleasantly surprising actually. You know, in 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 interacting with some Tolkien fans and scholars over the years and going to to gatherings, I've, it's it's actually. Um, Many of of the Tolkien fans and the Inkling fans are are de devoutly either religious or spiritual, depending on how they define it. Um, and you know, I, I, it's not something in academia that you see all the time. So, no. so it was actually some, something that was you know uh, refreshing. Yes, it's and you don't. I, I, I of course I work at a, a Quaker based school, so. I, I'm around that maybe more than maybe some other academics are, but I think um, I think you'd be surprised at how many academics actually are very interested in um, having a um, spiritual um, side to them, and so I think that, and of course, mythic literature is one way to really get into that. Mm -hmm. Well, um, so, you, so you've talked a little bit about the society. Now, um, let's drill back into, um, you, you mentioned MythCon. Yes. Um, so, I mean, in, in this craziness that is the coronavirus, <laughs> um, is, is, are you guys planning a MythCon here coming up we soon? We had planned a myth. We have planned a MythCon for, um, and usually it's the last week of July or the first week of August, somewhere around then. Um, as of right now, it's still going, but that's really kind of up in the air at this point. We'll probably know by the beginning of May where, where everything's going to shake down. But um, it has affected the awards um, more than anything else. But um, the this year, the one is supposed to be in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So okay. MythCon 51, which would be pretty wow. exciting. Yeah. That is. Did you guys do anything special for uh, MythCon 50? We had a, we just had a lovely time for MythCon 50. It was so fun to see everybody. We had um, people who had been to the first MythCon there, which was really exciting um, to get to talk to people who had been there from the very beginning wow. and seen it. And and we, I saw you know pictures from back then. 
um, the history of how they how they collected things, um, what they were studying, what they were looking at. It was it was just very exciting to see that. I think so. Yeah, MythCon Fifty was beautiful in San Diego. We had it in San Diego. It was really beautiful. Well, do you do you have any plans to come back to the Boston area? <laughs> I don't know. That's up to the Mythopeak members who who volunteer to hold it in their area. So you have to have somebody who wants to have it in that area. But um, the one in, in Boston was also very lovely. So I think we had it. Um, now I can't remember the college uh, off the top of my head. There's um, just a, there's a few up here. <laughs> yeah, there's not there's just a few over there in that area. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's held in a different place every year. So, and usually there's a committee that gets together and and we have a call for papers. That's another thing that's a little different about our conference compared to maybe some other fantasy conferences that they're not just about you know TV. They, and we do have panels on TV shows and on on fiction and all that kind of stuff. But we also have very scholarly panels that are really, um, even if they're about TV shows, they're really very scholarly um, uh, and discussing um, those topics. And But also accessible to people who aren't scholars. So, um, so there's something for everybody. There's something for everybody. And even, you know, some people think, oh, I can't, possibly like a scholarly um, paper or, or going in to see a scholarly talk, but we have many people who in, really enjoy those who are not scholars, but they just love to come in and listen to people talk about Tolkien or talk about Lewis or talk about um, uh, Harry Potter or other, you know, fantasy authors. So, Well, I can tell you after... Um perusing two of Erlen Flieger's books that, you know, if, if your sessions based on those papers are anything like her essays, there's some really interesting things out there that oh. people want to talk about. Berlin is so about. wonderful. And so the great thing about MidCon is that it's not a huge conference. Like, you know, some of the conferences that have a thousand people, we have maybe a couple of hundred people at the conference. And so, you might be able to have lunch with Berlin Flieger because she's there and you're, you know, all eating at the same place. And so you might have, um, you might get to talk to the guest author or the guest scholar and really get to know them on a personal basis. And that's really kind of exciting. So. That's really exciting. Yeah. Well, tell me, so so we've talked a little bit about MythCon, and, mm-hmm. and we, we had mentioned the awards before, and that's actually what I'm most interested in. Yes. Um, so the society does a lot of things. Um, some of the things we're not even really talking about tonight, but but I want to I I talk about the awards specifically, because um, you, you mentioned the four awards, and let me, let me see if I can get this right. So there's, a, there's an adult literature award, yes. a children's literature award, um, a scholarship award for inkling studies. Um, which I believe Ferlin Flieger is a four-time winner, and Michael Drought also. Yes. Is a winner. Um, and um, there is a general myth and fantasy studies uh, award yes. that um, Demetra Femi has has won. Yes. As well. Yes. So, so tell us, take us, um, take us through the whole process of, of the, the the award cycle and how that works. Okay. So, um, the award nominations. Um, 
are for that year. So for for the awards for this year will be for the year 2019 for the fiction awards. Okay, um, our um, scholarly awards usually go back three years, although we are modifying that after this year. I'll explain that a little bit more in just a second. But for, so books that have been published in the last three years have been um, have the ability to be nominated um, in the scholarly um, category, and okay. so you get and we get nominations up through um, usually. Uh, November, December, something like that. Um, only Mississippi Society members can nominate, but any Mississippi wow. Society member can nominate for an award. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Um, they cannot nominate themselves. So you can't just join and then nominate a book you wrote. That's not <laughs> how that works. Um, that okay, has yeah. been tried, but and um, that's not how that works. Um, and then, um, there are a pretty dedicated group of people in the society who um, work on the committees. So there are people who work on the children's committee or the adult committee or the scholarly. And usually the scholarly committees um, is just the scholars do both, uh, both the inkling and the um, fantasy, but some don't. So, um but that's how that works. I mean, and then we um, look at those nominations and you have usually until May to come up with the top five. So we'll have a vote in May where we'll say, what are your top five? I'll figure that out. And I'll say, here are the top five. And then we have three months to read those top five. And if you're on the committee, you kind of say, okay, I promise I'll read those top five. <laughs> and then, <laughs> Vote on the top five, um, usually right before MythCon starts. So usually the week of, of before MythCon is the deadline for that. Um, this year, because all of the libraries are closed, we have extended those deadlines. So the, um, the top five deadline will now be in like August, and then they'll have a, a two or three months to read, and we'll announce the winners for this year in um, November. So we have plenty of time to get them read. Right. Right. Makes sense. So now am I to assume, so the, the difference between adult literature and children's literature, obviously I got that, but what, what is the delineation for the, the difference between the inkling, inkling studies and the general myth and fantasies? Inkling, studies? I'm sorry. Inkling studies should be really about, um, uh, the Inklings themselves. So it should have something to do with the Inklings, either Tolkien, Lewis, Williams, and there's some um, minor Inklings in there. Dorothy Sayer also is often considered an Inkling, so she would be considered in that group as well. Um, and there's a group of about, I think, eight or ten people that yeah. fall into that category of the Inklings. And then general fantasy is anything that's not that, <laughs> So, um, which is a pretty wide open um, um, selection and because of that because we've had so much more scholarship and, and this is something that if you have you read a lot of um, scholarly work by people who are writing about fantasy for the first I don't know 20 years 
every introduction began with a kind of a an apology in the Christian sense of apologizing <laughs> for here I'm writing about fantasy and it really is worth writing about kind of thing. But in the last you know ten years, I would say that that, that doesn't need to be that's not necessary anymore. We don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to apologize for it. It's truly something that can be uh, studied in a scholarly way. And so many more people are writing about it. So we have changed for next year. We're going to change the scholarly awards to only include those four, four books that were nominated, that received the top five, um, but did not win from the year before, and then books that were published in that year. Am I making I sense there? I hope. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So there's just so many more being published now than used to be, which is, uh, to me, a very exciting thing. Oh, it's, yeah, it's very exciting. Well, let, let, let me ask you the same question that I asked Dimitra Femi, and, and that was about how Tolkien scholarship has changed. Um, now, you, you read a lot, uh, obviously, in this, in this role as a steward. Uh-huh. Um, and, 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 and you're saying there's just, there's just more that, that's yes. coming in. Um, but, but other than the quantity... How have you noticed scholarship change over the years? With Tolkien, it's so easy to dig, right? Because he left so much. He left all his drafts. He left all his notes. He left all this uh, huge amount of material that we can work with. Um, I think people are starting to say, okay, we can look at this from a different perspective than just, you know, maybe new criticism, maybe historicism, any of that kind of thing. We can start looking at this. Let's look at it in terms of, you know, post-colonialism, let's learn, look at it in terms of uh, gender theory and see what happens and come out with some new things that we haven't seen before. Um, sure. And I think that makes it really interesting um, and um, changes how it looks at and, and lately I think I've seen quite a few things about race as well, which I find fascinating, talking about race in fantasy and race in, in the Inklings as well. Well, you know, it's, it's, where you're seeing this more and more, I don't know if you're on Twitter, but um, I, I, I am seeing a lot of these discussions. Uh, I think they're happening outside of just the scholarly community too. You know, um, they, there's, there's quite um, passionate opinions out there on, on the internets yeah. <laughs> about, <laughs> about, about race, about gender. And, you know, this new Amazon show that's, that's coming up um, anytime they, they hint that a, a, a certain actor will play, you know, this elf or this Numenorian, there's, there's just Twitter just explodes about <laughs> why that's accurate or not accurate. Um, I, you know, in thinking more about our interview coming up, I, I did come, uh, come, come up with a few other questions that I wanted to ask you about. And I, and I thought you might be the perfect qu- person for this question. Um, we, it is a part of our storyline for our campaign that we did. Um, one of the, the pivotal characters was uh, Turin Turambar. And, um, and of course, uh, such a great influence on him was his mother, Morwen mm-hmm. Ledwin. And so I was wondering, um, you know, you studied, you studied the portrayal of old women in, in sort of the fantastic literature. I was wondering, did you, did you ever get a chance to, to really study and, and delve into Morwen, Morwen's life? Well, there were some of the more goddess-like characters who have some of those what I would consider um, um, older women characteristics. And one of those is the grieving. Okay. 
So old women are in charge of, of death. They're in charge of birth, being there when somebody's born as the midwife, and they're in charge of making sure the body is buried correctly, right? And taken right. care of and washed at the end. And also they are in charge of mourning. They are the ones who mourn. So I think that's um, that's not something we like to think about as that's not very exciting. She's not throwing lightning bolts or, you know, um, creating great apples or <laughs> doing anything really fun. She's warning. But um, to recognize the passage from one stage of life to the next, right, to the next stage, whatever that is, whatever you believe it to be, is an important thing in almost all cultures. So um, to put an old woman in charge of that to me is, is very interesting. I find it, I find that old women have more power than we like to believe they do. So sure. how many, how many older women would you say? And, and I don't know that we can count elves. I was thinking Galadriel is probably the oldest woman. Yes, yes. In the story, <laughs> well, but but she doesn't look old. So she doesn't look old. Yeah. Kate Blanchett's doing quite well. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh yeah, can you think of any other older women other than Morwen? I think there's a well, um, Labilia Sackville Baggins. Oh yeah, well, I, yes, yes, I suppose. <laughs> yes, it's one of the few that I can think of, which is, um, you know, she's just. She's got that kind of um, old woman stereotype. She's greedy. She's naggy. Um, but in the end, she's also kind of heroic, right? Um, so I don't know. It just, it, there's just, but there's not very many old women, no, right, in, right. in Tolkien. Um, and, or in Lewis either, for that matter. So that I can well, remember anyway. The character that I really wanted to ask you about, but there's just nothing on, um, and um, and and I bring her up because the characters in my story are about to meet her, is Queen Beruthiel. Oh, um, did, did she ever interest you? Just the the faintest mentioning of of the cats of Queen Beruthiel. <laughs> so is she definitely old because she has a bunch of cats? That's <laughs> oh gosh now i'm now i'm stereotyping women. That's great. thank you now i'm in trouble it was not the cats that interest me it was it was the whole persona of queen beruthiel uh -huh. um, just you know and how everyone seemed to know her um, yes without, without there being a mention yeah so. yeah it doesn't have to be like yeah you just you know that that has happened I, when you read like um the iliad and the odyssey and you know he's listing names in there and you're, you're realizing as you're reading it and you you read it over and over again, you read it and you realize, oh, all the Greeks knew who all these people were he was talking about. We just don't know them because we right. lost those stories, right? We don't know what that story would be. So, yeah, I don't know what all her cats would be, what she would, but always she's not mentioned without the cats. She's, you right. know, cats go with her. So something <laughs> important has to happen with those cats. The first cat lady. Yes. Of literature. Oh, jeez. Oh, oh, boy. All right. Well, let me, uh, so I have one other kind of um, 
one other question. I just was curious. I'm, I'm, I've been trying to find out about this. So I read somewhere, I, I think it was Wikipedia, and you know you can believe everything you read on Wikipedia. Oh, yeah. um, that's what I teach I, my students, yes. <laughs> that's, that's what I teach my students as well, too. <laughs> uh, so so I, I read somewhere that the Inklings were reestablished um, as a student group in 2006 um, in Oxford. Do you know anything about this? No idea. No. Really? Okay. Who yes. would they be? And are they well, meeting at the baby and the bird? Are they meeting? <laughs> okay. at the well, yeah, well, I, you know, I, I've been, I've contacted the university several times and I've not been able to find out any information about this. So I guess I, now is the time where I would ask my listeners, if you have any information about um, the, the student group or perhaps the faculty have taken it over again, um, you know, about the reestablished inklings, please let uh, drop me a line and let me know. <laughs> and if you hear anything of it, uh, Dr. Okay, Ryan, I've not yeah, heard anything. I would like to say one thing that if those people who are kind of, you're stuck at home right now, if you want to find some good reading, you know, you want to get away to another world, go to org and look up the awards for the um, fiction and you will find plenty both for yourself and your children to read. And then of course, check out the scholarly work too, because it's great. Well, so other than the reading, it can, are you guys looking for, for people to get involved with the society? Is it oh, easy to always, a- Yeah. Um, we, w- we have several hundred members, but, and from seven, I think it's 17 different countries the last time I uh, checked. Um, but yes, we would love people to get involved in it and, come and join if you want to be we do um the awards work almost all online so and we have people from all over the country who read the books and comment to each other we have a group where they talk to each other about what they found and did they find it mythopoeic enough or not that's really fascinating um and it's just and it's just a great group i think um, wow. If you can go to a MythCon, uh, you will enjoy it. I've never heard anybody say, oh, I really hated going to that. No, they always love it. So, um, And I started going, and I just can't stop. So that's for me. Um, I something that I, 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 it's my way of showing uh, the things I'm interested in um, in a scholarly way. Um, and they've always welcomed, and I have some pretty out there things. So um, <laughs> um, my next one, I think, is going to be on Lewis Cha's um, Legends of the Condor Heroes, which is supposed to be the Chinese Lord of the Rings, which is just being translated into English. And so that's my next kind of, oh, that sounds fascinating. So that's Ooh. what I decided I would work on. Well, I will put the link to the society and to MythCon. That would be to, great. And to the book that you just mentioned, I, I, I think it's important to to um, you know pass these things on to to the listeners, um, just for reference. Um, and I and I really hope that um, whatever you guys decide to do with MythCon, that MythCon Fifty One is is uh, both fun and successful. Thank you. Well, we'll have MythCon Fifty One. We'll just have to see when we're going to have it. So, Got it. Well, Dr. Ron, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it. 
Though this marks the end of the episode, the road goes ever on. Until next time, join us at longwinded.one and consider giving us a review on Apple Music, Spotify, or really whichever platform you choose. 